Hello and welcome to The Landed Podcast. I'm John Montgomery, co-founder of Landed, a travel company specializing in tailor-made journeys throughout Latin America and the Antarctic. At Landed, we're devoted to exploring these regions, searching out exceptional experiences and locations for our clients. The Landed Podcast profiles some of our favorite places and brings you conversations with friends we've made along the way, explorers, artists, and visionaries. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. Matias de Cristobal is the general director of Owasi. In a relatively short time, Owasi's developed a reputation for operating some of the finest lodges in South America. Much of Owasi's success, the brand's vision, its personality, and strategy, can be credited to Matias. He's helped broaden the vision of what travel can mean, how the people we encounter, and the experiences we share can shape our lives. In this episode, we discuss how he developed that vision, his definition of luxury, and the meaning of the Owasi spirit. Matias is a true friend, a mentor, and an innovator. Most of our conversations take place in noisy restaurants in Buenos Aires, so we recorded this interview by Skype. One day soon, I hope we'll be recording a follow-up from the Grand Canyon. Matias de Cristobal, General Director of Awasi Lodges, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for, for inviting me. Very glad to be here. Where are you today? I'm in Santiago de Chile right now uh, with a really hot day, um, but I'm mostly based in Buenos Aires in Argentina, uh, where is my family. You... I'm generally traveling a lot between our lodges uh, and Europe and the U.S., where most of our customers come from. Um, so, yeah, one of my challenges is that I travel a lot. Matias, you, you and I have a lot in common in terms of career. We both we do. began working for banks. How was, um, how was banking for you? The, the, the banking industry was, uh, yes, my first approach to professional life. I started working for a bank while I was still at the university studied, studying business. And I discovered that there were two things that didn't match with my lifestyle. One was that the, 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 the corporate life uh, wasn't uh, make me, making me very happy. Uh, I, I started to discover that I was more like an entrepreneur. I, have a, I had an entrepreneur um, style of working. And sometimes I thought that at that time that the banks and the corporations in general, they, they not necessarily uh, encourage people to, to take the, the best of their entrepreneurial minds. Um, and then suddenly I discovered that I was... I actually, I was on a bank working for, on the on the dealing room, on the, on the finance uh, area of the bank, making relationship with other banks. At the end of the day, I was coming back home and asking me, "What did I do today?" Um, I helped somebody to lend money to another bank, <clears throat> and that was really wasn't very fulfilling as a professional experience. So, eventually, I started to to look for other, other horizons. I work in consulting in on, on one of the top five consulting 
companies. This was Coopers and Libran before the, their merger with the Price. And then, then I discovered that consulting was something really interesting because it allowed me to to meet different people and companies and to understand different challenges and problems that these companies were, were facing. So I'm, I'm really, an, I will always have been a, an anti-routine. Uh, so consultancy helped me to, to, to learn a lot while also make me, well, giving me a lot of uh, challenges and, and fun. Eventually it was, uh, you need to have fun at work. It's not all, I, I always say that, I would say that 50% of what you get from your job is um, is money, and the other 50% is fun and meaning, and, and, and feeling that you are really, uh, you are being useful, and you are doing something that is, helping others or changing other people's lives. That's eventually what I always, or eventually discovered that a profession or a job was about. And the, 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 the way that I came to the, the tourism industry or the hotel industry was really strange. I had lost my job in Argentina while I was working for an exhibition cinema company. I was working for this cinema company and uh, living in Argentina. Argentina went on one of their cyclic economic troubles in year 2000. It was really a mess. It was the worst crisis, the economic crisis Argentina experienced. I was there uh, in charge of developing new multiplex cinema um, centers in Argentina and in South America, and this U.S. company decided to to leave the country because they right. they couldn't they couldn't I mean they they it's not they wanted to stay but they couldn't it was really a mess. So I knew that I was going to to lose my job and start to think what I'm what I'm going to do. I had uh, at that time my third kid had, had just been born, so. I said I need to inspire myself and, and see what I'm going to do. And I saw an opportunity because I used to travel um, in South America and visiting different little towns and discovering in these little towns that there were lots of artisans uh, creating amazing uh, crafts and like ponchos or, or pottery using the antique the, really the antique tools and the antique techniques. So I said, this could, this could work. This, we could use these elements and put them in value and offering those elements that had really a strong presence of culture, of centuries of cultures that were passing through generations and that these people were still doing, but nobody were, were, were recognizing, nobody was recognizing the value uh, behind those arts and crafts. I was in a, in a little town, uh, in, well, I was in Salta. The first time I was, I, I was inspired by this, I was in Salta, on one of the old markets. Like and a witchy market. This, yeah, it was a witchy market, uh, but it was like the, the town market. Where they, you, in those town markets of these towns, you can find an amazing handmade poncho, 
uh, whipped by hand, dyed with natural colors, mm -hmm. and producing looms uh, for for weeks. It really takes sometimes months to do one of those uh, pieces. Um, so I said, I used to work in retail before. I said, retail is not only about location. Retail is also about putting value things. Um, so this was looking at this little town, I, I discovered the idea or I thought the idea was inspired. I thought that this, this could help these people on selling their goods for a higher value, for a higher price. So we decided with a, with a, with a, with a friend who was a decorator to create a store, a small store that would only sell goods produced by the local Indian communities of South America. But it wasn't going to be, it was going to be like non-pretentious, non-ostentatious uh, store. But each, each item that we will, we will sell had to be identified by, with the name of the artisan, with the origin of the culture of that piece of art, of pottery, of wood, or of uh, textile. And the other condition was that those, had, those items had to have like a use, uh, like a decoration purpose or a, or a clothing purpose. So we started working also with designers and using those elements to create also fashion clothings. Um, there's a funny story that I used to go to this. When you meant uh, a little town called Londres, London of the new, new it was called London, Londres de Nueva Inglaterra. It's a really very tiny town in the province <laughs> of Catamarca. Yeah. London of New England, yes. It's a very ancient little town in the middle of nowhere, in the desert. In With the a Puna. modest name. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not ambitious at all. Not at all. Uh, so I was there and started talking with a, with a lady who had this uh, loom, this old loom that was owned by her grandmother. Right. And her grandmother had taught her how to weave. And I, went, I, I also met his son, and this lady had a technique of doing of weaving, which was very unique. And it was a technique that had been uh, almost lost um, because it was very hard to do. So I said, if this lady uh, passed away, um, she will eventually this this technique will will eventually get lost. And I saw, also saw her, her son, who was a teenager at that time. And he was doing nothing. He was really lazy and didn't go into school, not doing anything. So this is a story that I, I had forgot. I, I got to meet this lady again 10 years later, and she reminded me about the story that I'm going to tell and the effect that the, this story produced or what, what I... What I was inspired to do at that moment, eventually, what was the effect of that action? So, I was that uh, this lady told me that she was really worried about his son uh, consuming a lot of alcohol and maybe going into drugs and not doing nothing. So I said to this guy, to this boy, why don't you help your mother during this poncho? Because uh, she will do this poncho that I'm buying from her. Uh, in, in a much shorter period of time. And he was, not, he was not very interested. I said, I'm going to advance you half of the money of the cost 
that we are going to pay for this poncho. So, but you need to do it and you need to finish it with your mom in two weeks because what otherwise I would not pay you. The, yeah, exactly. Otherwise I would not pay you the, the other, the other, the other 52%. So he did it. And these are not inexpensive ponchos. I've seen these uh, sold from the maker for several hundred dollars, right? No, no, it's not. We, we sold those ponchos for $1,000 yeah. and we guaranteed 50% of that price to the producer. That was our way of, of dealing with them. We would say we'll pay 50% of the price that we can get. And we, of course, we will take care of all the, of the cost. So I advanced like $250 because the final price was going to be 500. He did it and he started his career in poncho making and now he's a great artisan. And you know that life with some people that you, you, you get to, life is a cycle that you, you get to know the people that, or the messages that are eventually important. God, in a way, uh, puts your message, these messages for you. So 10 years later, I got to, to meet, meet this, this lady again in, um, in, um, it was like an art fair that was being done in Santiago. She was invited to this place and I, we hugged when we met and we were very happy to see each other after so many years. And she reminded me about this story. And she told me, you know what you did with my son? No, I didn't have an idea. And she told me this. So I was with one of my, I was with my daughter. And I was very happy that, that my daughter heard this story because she didn't know that I was, after I lost my job, you know, I started to doing this, this business of the, the arts and crafts and, and, the, and the ponchos and the artisans and all that life that, she didn't remember that I was doing this. So, at the, the, so this was one important lesson that sometimes when you are in the middle of the storm and that you don't know where is the exit or why are you doing this and why uh, are you facing this, this situation, uh, the message was that I was going to places very humble places, after losing my job on an American amazing corporation that I was flying business, um, and you suddenly need to change and to reorganize your economy at your, at your household, household economy and start a new business and risk your own money, uh, which is a different approach. But it was really a gift for me because for two reasons. One was that this type of stories that I mentioned with the old lady of the Ponchos and her son, I had different stories and I learned lots of things because of that and because of eventually losing my job. And the interesting situation also is that I had this store and because of that store, I got my job in, uh, in Awasi. Right. And and the funny Anna, thing, Anna came to visit you, right? The owner of Awasi, what would become Awasi, came to your store. Yes. Did she come to the one in Barcelona or the one in Buenos Aires? She came to the one in Buenos Aires. And she said, I love your store and, 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 and I'm, doing a, I'm starting a business in Chile. And we think that we have something in common because you are taking care of so many details in your store. You are taking care of so many details with your customers and you are putting value things done by hand. 
Um, it, it was really to... um, a, a luxury product in the sense that it had quality, it took time, and it used fine materials. But it was unknown exactly. outside the local, the local community or, or Argentina, right? Exactly. It was. It was. Uh, well, we, we we opened a second store in in a third store in Barcelona, in Spain. But yes, it wasn't a, a, an international brand, or it was only known there. Um, so um, yes, I, I think that Awasi had the spirit of that store and had the spirit of things done by hand. What we do by hand in Awasi, where we deliver our memorable travel experiences, but they are catered and designed by hand. That's so right. When you're there on the very first day, you sit by the fire, let's say, and the guide opens up to you the map and the book of possible experiences, and you map out together how your stay will go what you could do on day one, day two, everything's driven by where the wildlife is, what the weather's like, how you're feeling. And it's a, it's a completely custom experience. Yes. And the reason is that when you think of luxury in general, we tend to think of, or to, we tend to confuse something luxurious with something ostentatious. We tend to think of gold, we tend to think of a red carpet, uh, we tend to think of very expensive international brands. But if you go to the dictionary, at least the Spanish dictionary, luxury, one of the definitions of luxury is something scarce to your regular means. So the first conclusion is that luxury is something subjective. What can be luxurious for me may not be luxurious for someone living in a, in a little town uh, or, or, or in the middle of the desert. Like, I would say an example. Luxurious for me is having free time, relaxing, without any phone or emails or WhatsApp messages sounding. Right. I mean, we've talked about this before in, in, in Buenos Aires that exactly. luxury can be a beautiful picnic on a hillside, you know, and it's not about the cost of the materials. It's about the setting exactly. and the feeling. Exactly. And the feeling. So for people living in big cities that may have, uh, may be very, very wealthy, they, they will rarely have free time with their families or their, not all of them, but they need to find a moment of silence. They need. They rarely have a moment of contemplation of nature with the ones they love. So we understand luxury as that. So we have lots of stories. Of, and I think that that is what our guests love most about Awasi, is that we really take care of them. and We get prepared to receive them. Um, and there's you no, know, there's this cliche in the hotel industry that says we want you to feel at home. We don't. We don't want you to feel at your home. We want you to feel that you're in the home of a special friend of a different place. And this place is a place that you are not used to. 
you're not used to this landscape, you're no, not used to this food, but you are going to learn something different on a friend's home. When you, when you travel, at least in my case, all the times that I travel uh, to different places and I have a friend there, it's a totally different experience. It's a totally different travel experience because this local friend will take me to the best places. Yes, that's, he will that's take the me reason you want to go. You want to experience their life something different. Their life, exactly. While you go, you take the you go with your travel guide. Uh, you go with the Lonely Planet, and you will go where the most of the tourists go. While in Awasi, all we teach to the to the new uh, members of our staff that we have is that you we, we help them to figuring out what Awasi is by imagining that they are welcoming friends of their friends who live abroad. Uh, you took us to Bawales before anybody was even going there, and I, I would tell you that we were the only vehicle in the area. It was just us and cattle yeah. and some mm -hmm. some, uh, some, some, some Yeah, yes. and a great experience for a day. But you, you hire people from different industries. You're not hiring people from tourism. And, um, of course. To, you know, that gives a very broad, a broad set of resources to your team. Well, I must confess that the main reason is that because I never worked in tourism before, so I'm the, the first example of somebody coming from a totally different industry. And I think that outsiders uh, tend to think differently. Once we, we, we hired um, for one of our lodges a manager that had a lot of, of experience working for international, big international uh, resorts, chains, and she didn't work fine because she was, uh, she had this corporative mind and of, um, of big hotels and we are different. We, so I have lots of cases and lots of examples of stuff that we had uh, that were not working before in tourism, but they love nature. They are, they, they are well-traveled. They are people that um, are, have interest of, of, for other cultures. They are eager to learn and they are generous. They are humble and they are generous in terms of uh, being able to serve, which eventually is what we do. We serve right. others and we do so, that with love. So when you hire someone, are you looking for are you looking for that kind of empathy in an employee? Because, you know, I think about some people that I know that have worked there. Uh, Diego Benitez, that was his first job outside of being a Jesuit. Yeah. What are you hiring for? Do you, do you have a, well, a mental checklist of traits? I would say that the, 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 what I mentioned before, um, in order to be in the middle of the desert, or in the middle of the Patagonia, you need to... First of all, you need to love nature. If you need uh, to be uh, connected 24 hours, 365 um, days of the year, um, and if you need to be surrounded by lots of people, and, 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 and if you need to go to a bar every other day, what uh, is not for you? Th those are the conditions that we look for. Um, they are psychological conditions, and. Um, and personality conditions 
but we I can there's a nice story that I we have a video actually in our website about Kura. Kura was a young woman from from the UK who was a little bit tired of, of working as a consultant. She decided to move to Santiago and start working for a for a mining company. But she after a couple of months she discovered that she was doing a similar life uh, like the one she was doing in London. So she, she, and she always loved nature, so she came to us. And we, we trained her, and she was one of the get, best guides that we had. It's really very enriching for all of us to have people with different cultures, different languages, different backgrounds, geologists, psychologists. We have, a, uh, some years ago, we had, for many years, Amparo. Amparo, she was from Chile. She, she was a psychologist. And she used to work with dolphins in Mexico, working with, uh, with kids and, and, and old people with some uh, disabilities, mental disabilities. So she learned a lot there. She learned a lot about human needs. So she was one of the best guides that we had working for, with families and with, uh, with senior couples. And this is something that I, I also... I also heard and learned from the Cirque du Soleil. They do the same. They, they take lots of people with different backgrounds and cultures from all, all over the world. The circus. circus. Yeah. So I learned that they do that. And they are great. And I think when, when after I, I read that they were doing that, I said, we're really doing something that others that have done <laughs> more important things that, that we did uh, are doing. So we're on the, on the good track. You are the circus manager, to be sure. Absolutely, so, I will say that. Because on the circus, you need to do, you need to do many tasks. Um, for instance, I, I don't have a secretary. Um, it's a way of, uh, it's, we do our, our staff, we do our calls, and we, it's a way of having a spirit of sacrifice. Um, it's like a circus, I, I generally use that example, yeah. Let's go back for a second to the day that Anna walks into your shop and discovers not only that you're selling beautiful products, but that you're telling a story with each product. And you're yes. providing a fair income to the, the artisans behind those. And she says, this matches what I want to do, the spirit of what I want to do. Let's get together and have a coffee, I think, she said to you. How did you know that that was a, a real opportunity, that it was something you should, you should pay attention to I always had the idea of, uh, we as a family with my wife, Veronica, uh, we always had the idea of living abroad for a, for, for a while. And we were a little bit tired of Argentina at that time, all their economic travels and all their stability. And Chile was always a much better, I mean, in terms of economy, a much, much more stable economy than Argentina. And I always had the, the, the passion of doing new things. What I love most, is to uh, is developing new, new ideas and uh, starting new businesses, uh, taking risks. Going abroad at that time with the, our kids, three kids that were really really small at the time, uh, we thought it, it, it was a good opportunity. Anna invited me to see what she was building in Atacama. That was the first lodge. At that time, they wanted to do like a more um, it was more like a sort of bed and breakfast, and eventually with some excursions. And, and when I saw what they were doing and what they were building, 
um, the quality of the construction, the, the details that they were taken care of, it was really a handmade hotel. I said, uh, we could do something different here. And this was including um, the, the private tailor-made tours and excursions. That, that was the, the, the idea. And the, the challenge of doing this original idea, because there was nothing similar in South America. I, I, I'm not sure if there are many hotels in the world or many lodges in the world that they assign or they guarantee that you were going to have 100% tailor-made experiences. No, so I mean, I, I can I think, think of a few we, in Africa, maybe, but, but not, yeah, yeah. not many in South not in America, a, even today. Yeah, not in South America. Yeah, exactly. So it was a big challenge. Um, uh, Anna, I, I mean, she's a, a great person. She's a, she has a high Q human quality. And I could tell that. Um, I thought that I will, it was a person that I could work with. So you um, recognized the, something in her personality that drew you in or made it, seem like an option you should pursue? There's something about years and, and experience that helps you to read people. It's not the only way of knowing people that sometimes I, I am wrong and, and it happens a lot. But in general, when I think that somebody is a good person, I'm not wrong. I may, I may have been the wrong the other way, but not wrong when I think that somebody is good and that this person has good values uh, or, or values that I can share with. Um, this is something that I read in, in, in Anna. Um, of course, that the challenge of doing a different concept and, and creating a different company from zero was also a great challenge for us. So Veronica said, let's go. And uh, we decided to go with the family. Uh, and we moved to Santiago and we stayed in Santiago for 10 years. So it was, now I'm, we moved back to Buenos Aires to start Awasi Iwasu in Argentina, but I would say that the, the, what drove me to, to take this challenge was, was this first chat that we have with, with Anna, yeah. And your, um, your kids, you have a daughter who's 18, and yes. two sons, 16 and 13. So when you're yeah. away from Olivia and Fran Francisco and Gaspar, how do, you, how do you stay close to them? I mean, Veronica gets to come with you now, okay, I understand that sometimes separation, <laughs> temporary separation in a marriage, uh, can make us appreciate each other more, but with the kids, is it different? Is it no, I, 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 I always um, tried to to keep them informed of what I do, on what I'm doing. So I tend to share a lot of what I do with them. Um, so for instance, if I'm away on a travel show in Marrakesh, like the one I go every year, I share pictures with them. I tell them what I'm doing. I tell them if I had a great meeting with somebody, uh, if I'm going on my journeys uh, in search of new potential locations for Awasi, I share the, 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 the trips with them. Um, I let them know where I am. I show my pictures. Um, and sometimes has, a, they... has a fantastic Instagram feed. He's, a, he's an excellent <laughs> photographer. I'm, I'm learning, a story <laughs> but I try, yes. Yeah. So, um, for instance, um, I, I also think uh, that getting your, 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 your family involved in your work, um, it's, 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 it really helps you uh, to have another perspective. And you know that kids, and I, I know my wife, she's really intelligent, she's really wise, I'm, Every 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 time I have a 
a big decision to make, I always hear her advice uh, because she always has this fresh, different perspective to the one I have. And this is great of, on being a... Uh, I have the same. Uh, insane, yeah. No, my wife with is my so... Kids, you've, you've met Erin and she's so emotionally intelligent, so aware absolutely, of how people will absolutely. feel about a decision in a way that I can never be. Uh, that's really good. Um, and now my kids that are teenagers, they use these uh, new tools like Instagram and they have this different vision of communica communication, media, and um, that they also really helped me a lot to take some decisions. For instance, we are planning to do like a little refresh of the Awasi brand. I, I'm working with some designers and I asked my kids, what do you think about this and why? You know, because they have these, these are the future consumers and these are the, 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 the trends and the consuming trends and the travel trends. We need to see these guys, you know? Um, and they have me a lot. You can't believe the, the, the great advisors I have at home. So coming back to your question, I try to share with them what I do. Um, and the same with them. They, for instance, now my daughter Olivia, she left yesterday with uh, eight other friends from Chile to on, on a backpacker plan to um, Torres del Paine. So they're going to do the W, the w circuit. Yeah. So she's there. Yesterday she was sharing with our family group her pictures from Puerto Natales and Patagonia. Um, Veronica and the kids are in the farm, on my grandparents' farm, and I'm in Santiago. But we are, and I, I was sharing with, with them my, my photos of Santiago yesterday. So we are connected. And I think that this is the great useful thing and positive things of technology. We can uh, feel that we are close together and informed of where we are. And, um, and it's a great family thing. And, and when I, I, what I try to do is also to have great um, quality time when I'm at home. Um, what, what does quality time mean? How do you how do you carve out quality that time? Is, is, is what do, what do for us that? having dinner, having dinner as a family is something religious. You know, it, we need to be together for dinner. The table should be a moment of uh, sharing of good quality time as a family. You know that we, in Buenos Aires in Argentina, we have this tradition of cafes, you know, of coffee. And we, we, if you want to f meet a friend for something, you say, let's meet for a coffee and you know, that, that coffee could be uh, maybe one or two hours, you know? Right. Um, so what I do with my kids is the same. Um, I tell them at least once a month, uh, let's go for a coffee or let's go for lunch. So I would go to school and pick one, two of them um, and uh, share a conversation with them. So and that's about once a month. I mean, that, that's pretty similar to what what I do, you know my strategy, I have four girls and I take each one of them yes. every Friday for yeah. about an hour or two to do something they want to do, just one-on-one, -on -one. Maybe, we, maybe we get some dinner, maybe not, something exactly. they want exactly. to do and look forward to and they plan. Exactly. And um, so what comes? This, what comes is, is it's, it's great because sometimes, sometimes I would come with a prepared agenda, it's not an agenda, but it's a slight subject that I want to talk about. 
but not, not like a speech while asking them what you think about this, what is going on with this. But sometimes you and just sit there and, and listen. Um, sometimes we just have a coffee with few conversations or very few words. And sometimes these amazing conversations start. Um, and the challenge for me is um, is to 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 keep this, you know, to keep this with time. What what more would you like to leave with us? What answers you've come to recently that you would like to share with the audience? Uh, I had tough times in my life, and I had bad moments. And on those times, when you said uh, those situations made me tougher, made me stronger, made me um, more respectful of the people that I have to to leaders now. And 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 this I'm talking about the the, the on the work on work basis, but this I can also take it to my family. And um, of course, work is a secondary part of my my life. My, main part of the reason of my life is or the meaning of my life is is my family if you'd like to know more about custom travel in latin america and the antarctic reach out to us at landedtravel.com since 2006 landed success has been built on word of mouth referrals if you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to rate the podcast or share it with a friend. The Landed Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Bluffworks, makers of travel clothing designed to go the distance and help you focus on the journey ahead. See their catalog of travel clothing at bluffworks.com. Thank you for listening. 